presence in this place. For the chance to uh, acknowledge who you are. And how that changes our posture before you. Thank you for Jesus and for the example that he set for us. With his baptism. The coming of the Holy Spirit. And your command for us to go on and be baptized. Open our hearts and our minds now. In Jesus' name. Amen. So many of us have been baptized. Uh, some as infants, some as kids or adults as a believer. Uh, you know, the church worldwide and all throughout history has had different beliefs surrounding baptism. And to this day, there are different beliefs. And uh, it's easy to quickly get into the weeds <laughs> with baptism, as it were. And uh, unfortunately, sometimes baptism becomes a divisive and church-splitting issue. That's not what we're trying to do today. <laughs> uh, we're going to be trying to look at uh, baptism today, beginning with the baptism of Jesus and what scripture has to say about it and how it impacts us as believers. Uh, so I'm hoping that uh, we'll be able to actually see and know where some of this information is coming from because it's found in the scriptures. So if you have your Bible or your phone or whatever you want to take out to look and follow along, I invite you to be ready to be able to turn to some things. We're going to mostly be in the New Testament. And let me just offer one more comment. We can't address baptism in one sermon on a Sunday morning. <laughs> so uh, if you have other questions or thoughts or considerations about baptism and that sort of thing, or if you haven't been baptized and you would like to learn more about what that means and how it impacts us, please talk with me after worship today. So it would be wonderful to uh, approach that with you. So let's just begin uh, in Matthew chapter 28, okay? Matthew chapter 28, and beginning at the 16th verse. Some of you will recognize this as the Great Commission. This is coming straight from Jesus. The last things that he says to us, to his disciples, before he's taken up into heaven... Now when the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So, of all the things baptism is and is not, it starts out as a command. This is something that um, we are told to do by Jesus himself. So we should perk our ears up <laughs> on that one because it's, it's really important. And we're going to walk through and see why here in a minute. But it was important to start with. You know, Jesus is telling us to do this. It's not a suggestion. Um, baptism is, is 
not some mere empty ceremony, but it is a vehicle that conveys grace and adds people to Christ's body. It's an amazing thing. Um, it's really the first obedience to the command of Jesus. After coming to a saving knowledge of him or being born again, we're commanded to be baptized. Uh, take a look at it. You can see those two things coupled together in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. If you want to turn over there. So Peter preaches this awesome sermon. <laughs> right? It's like the sermon that all preachers dream of. But it's not Peter who's making it awesome. It's the Holy Spirit that's talking to people and convicting them and drawing them. And at verse uh, 37, it says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And Peter, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? They were brought to this point where they were, they realized their need and they were open and they were ready. And Peter nails it and he says to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So repent and be baptized. They go together. Repent and be baptized. So scripture indicates that at baptism we receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, we go down into the water. We are buried with Christ in the stock tank if you're here. <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> and then we are raised to new life in him as we come out of the water in his resurrection. Okay, And that's not some made-up churchy thing. You can find that in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. So let's just take a little walk over there. It's right after Acts. I know I'm making us go around in the scriptures, but I, I want you to see this. It's important to know where this comes from. Okay, Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So baptism, buried with Christ, raised with Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit to live and walk in newness of life. So of all the things that baptism is or is not, it's also something that is a declaration and to the body of Christ around us that we are saying from here on out, I belong. To the Lord. And it's also a confirmation by the Lord through the deposit of His Holy Spirit that we are sealed until the day of redemption. It's quite a thing. You know, historically, baptism has, has been treated correctly, and it's also been treated poorly in history. If you go through and, and look at some things, uh, it's been used as fire insurance, the joke goes. <laughs> You know, um, as long as we get our, ourselves baptized, then we're all set. 
we can do whatever we want. We can live just fine and we don't have to do anything because we're baptized, we're good, um, and we're saved from literally the fires of hell through baptism. Uh, and that, that is sort of the point that was abused. At one point, almost all of the European continent had been baptized. <laughs> like, most of it. But there was very little evidence of regeneration in people's lives. It was just a thing, you know, you got wet and went on and lived your life. Uh, and then baptism in that case was kind of twisted to convey that the church had the power to save. Right? That's kind of taking an awful lot on us, <laughs> mere mortals, <laughs> that the church would have the power to save because we know that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Salvation is only through Jesus Christ. When you are baptized, the church isn't baptizing you. The preacher is not doing it. You're being baptized by Jesus and filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a physical outward sign of an inward spiritual transaction and grace that is taking place. Baptism is an obedience by those who have trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior. Uh, they are declaring to the world by their obedience to Christ's command that they are following him. Um, I'd want to take a little side trail for just a moment. Last week, a very good question was asked about baptism as it relates to communion. And um, being that one person asked me about it, I thought maybe other people may have had the thought in their head and wondered. So let's just talk about it for a brief moment here as long as we're discussing baptism. Uh, it's important that when we come to the Lord's table that we are repentant or we eat and drink condemnation to ourselves. It's clear in scripture. There's a whole chapter in Corinthians about it. Um, and so when the invitation was given last Sunday to baptize Christians to come to the table to receive, it's not intended to exclude people who are Christians but haven't been baptized. It's not a closed communion in that way. Rather, um, it's my attempt as the pastor to not inadvertently enable someone to eat and drink unworthily and to receive condemnation unto themselves as it's described in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Um, and so uh, the, the invitation in the Methodist hymnal uh, that talks about it says, people who love God, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live at peace with one another. Okay, so... There is the sense that we are good with God and good with our neighbors before we come to the table. That we don't have broken relationships that we are harboring. We've done what we can to mend those. We've done what we can to forgive those around us. We've done what we can, at least on our part, to be able to restore what has been broken before we come. And um, baptism is not some magic formula to grant access to the holy table, nor is it listed anywhere in scripture as the gatekeeper to receive communion. 
but repentance is. And baptism being the first logical step after receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior sometimes is used as um, something to be able to say, if you repented and been baptized, please come to the table. Okay, The thief on the cross makes it pretty clear that if you have received Jesus Christ and you're on your way to church to be baptized and you get hit by a bus on the way, you're going to heaven. Baptism is not a salvific instrument in that way. Likewise, if you have trusted Jesus Christ and repented of your sin and are seeking to live at peace with one another and with God, the church should be encouraging you to be baptized because we're supposed to encourage and exhort one another towards obedience in the Lord. But you can receive communion. Hopefully that makes sense. <laughs> um, so, getting back to baptism uh, now as it relates to us, it begs the question, if baptism is related to repentance and forgiveness of sins, then was Jesus being baptized in admission that he was sinful before he was baptized? The answer is no. <laughs> and, and I want to talk about why. People have often asked, why was Jesus baptized? I get why I need to be baptized. I'm doing it out of obedience, and it relates to repentance and forgiveness of sin and that sort of thing. But why was Jesus baptized? Um, from the account in the gospel lesson in Matthew that we read today, we could see that even John the Baptist was confused by this. He was like, what? <laughs> it is you who should be baptizing me. Are you crazy, Jesus? You know, what are we doing here? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but there's three main reasons that I want to look at with you briefly here. And then we're going to talk about how it applies to us. Uh, so one, Jesus tells him, it's a fulfillment of all righteousness. Those are Jesus' words, not mine. Okay, so Jesus is the one that all of the prophets pointed to as the Messiah or Christ. We just spent all of Advent looking at that, right? We saw the readings in the Old Testament, Isaiah, and the prophets talking about how Jesus is the one who is coming. The last and greatest of all these Old Testament prophets is John the Baptist, who literally gets the point to Jesus and calls him the son of God. Okay. Uh, and this is the handoff. Like this is the changing into the new covenant in many respects. The passing of the torch. From this point on, Jesus increases and John decreases. And Jesus' baptism by John authenticates John's ministry. It identifies Jesus' ministry with John. It shows that John is the prophesied great forerunner, kind of this opening act that gets people ready for the coming of Jesus. John points to the king of Jesus, repairing the way for his coming. And the baptism of Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecies spoken about him and about John. That's one. Two, uh, Jesus' baptism is an epiphany. Okay, We just talked a little bit about epiphany with the kids uh, with the gifts that were brought to Jesus and his family uh, sometime after his birth. And so we just entered the season of Epiphany. We've got green here now instead of white or purple. Okay, things are a little bit different. Um, and when we think of Epiphany, we might mostly think about the wise men. But traditionally, the Feast of Epiphany celebrates three events. 
One is the coming of the wise men. Two is Jesus' baptism in the River Jordan. And three was Jesus' first miracle at the wedding at Cana. And these events all have something in common in that they are epiphanies, which is, quote, from Merriam-Webster, ready for this? <laughs> uh, a, a usually sudden manifestation or perception of the essential nature or meaning of something. So these events reveal to us the essential nature of Jesus Christ. We talked about the essential nature of Jesus Christ with the kids this morning. King, priest, sacrifice. Okay? And now we've got the essential nature of Jesus being literally identified by his father this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased that's quite an epiphany so Jesus baptism shows us that he's not just a good guy or a great moral teacher as so many in our culture would like to minimize him to but he is the son of God who took on flesh and came to die in our place. Like that is incredible. There are those who would like to say that all paths lead to heaven and that the three main religions of the world are all the same and that they all worship the same God. It is only evidenced in the Christian faith in Holy Scriptures where God comes to die for us. To pay the debt that we could never pay. That doesn't happen anywhere else. It's always every, all the humans dying to please the God. <laughs> it's a tremendous difference. And that's a different sermon for a different day. But <laughs> something worth noting as we look at this. We see who Jesus is. He's affirmed by his father. And it's after this that he goes into the wilderness and is tempted by the devil. And he starts his earthly ministry. It wasn't until he was baptized and the Holy Spirit descended upon him that he began his earthly ministry. So Jesus' baptism transforms John's baptism. This is an important thing for us to notice, and we're going to take a look at it in, in Acts in just a moment. Um, so Jesus takes John's baptism, which is a baptism for repentance and forgiveness of sin, and he enriches it. He fulfills it. He gives it this deeper meaning. It becomes an outward sign of an inward grace, of reality, of something changing on the inside, even as we get wet on the outside of our body. Um, Inwardly, inwardly, we receive the grace and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And that's really important, and we're going to see why in a minute here. Jesus' baptism unites him, who was sinless, Jesus, with each of us, who are sinful. When we meet Jesus in the water, he washes us and lifts us out into new life. And just as the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus in the form of the dove, 
And the voice of God the Father proclaims him as his son and affirms who he is. In baptism, this is really important now, we are declared sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. And we are given the Holy Spirit. That's huge. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. God says that about you. This is my beloved daughter. This is my beloved child. This is my beloved son. John's baptism is transformed and we receive the Holy Spirit. Let's take one last look in Acts, please. Chapter 19. Acts chapter 19, starting at verse 1. You're going to hear the distinction between John's baptism and baptized in the name of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Here we go. Ready? This is exciting. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the island, through the inland country, and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. <laughs> and he said, into what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. So Jesus takes John's baptism, and the Holy Spirit is added. I believe it was John who said, there's one coming after me who's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. <laughs> I remember when Noah had his water baptism, he remarked that he really wanted to be baptized with fire. <laughs> you think that'll happen, Dad? <laughs> so when we are baptized, there's outward signs. There are inward changes. There's the receipt of the Holy Spirit, which launches ministry, empowers us, leads us into all truth, convicts, emboldens us. There aren't any spectators in God's kingdom. Every single one of you who have trusted Jesus Christ is part of the first string. I always rode the bench during basketball. In high school, was not part of the first string. That doesn't happen in God's kingdom. You are part of God's family if you have received Christ and been baptized, and you have been received as a full son or daughter. Last week we talked about adoption. You have been adopted. There's no second-class citizens in God's kingdom. Every single one of us 
has a role to play in God's plan of salvation. Every single one of us has received a measure of faith, the grace, and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And we have all been given different gifts that need to work together for the body of Christ to function the way that it is supposed to. So I want to invite us today uh, that in place of the affirmation of faith, we're going to remember our baptismal vows and have a chance to reaffirm those together. And if you have not been baptized and would like to, I just want to remind you, please come talk with me afterwards. It will be an honor to speak with you about it. So if you would, uh, would you please turn over to page 34 in your hymnal. Hymnals can be found in pews. We have a chance to share them together here. start at page 34, get about halfway down, and then we're going to skip over to page 35. On behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness and reject the evil powers of this world and repent of your sin? Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? Turning over to page 35. At number 9, let us join together in professing the Christian faith as contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments. Do you believe in God the Father? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was In the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, I thank you for each one here, that you're not done with any one of us yet, and that wherever we are, you're calling us and drawing us by your spirit. Thank you for those that have been baptized and for the chance to remember our baptism and the vows that we take in obedience to Christ's command to be baptized. Lord, for those that are considering baptism and haven't been baptized yet, we thank you for the formation that is occurring in their hearts by your Holy Spirit, that you call us and draw us from wherever we are. Help us to take that next step in trusting you, in declaring our faith in you, and joining into the body of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to join together now in a, a time of prayer.
I have a few joys and concerns to share with you, and I'm sure you have some to share with your church family as well. Uh, it's truly a joy to see folks in worship today. So thank you for being here. It's no mistake that you're here. The Lord's called you and knew you would be here today. Uh, <clears throat> we want to be praying for Gail Britton. She had uh, surgery to remove a blood clot from her femoral artery, uh, and she's doing great. Uh, unfortunately, she couldn't have the surgery at Dartmouth because uh, there weren't enough beds, so she had to go to Hartford Hospital in Hartford, Connecticut. So she uh, got a nice ride down there, <laughs> and they took care of her. So she's going to be with her daughter nearby for uh, several days while she recovers, and then will be coming back to Brownsville. So, uh, other joys or concerns, things that need to be shared. Yes. faith that you are, and it's up to you to prove otherwise. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> and this is her friend who helped her drive up here, so yeah. I'm really thankful for that, that she can Yeah. Welcome. All right. Anybody else? Anything? Yes. Um, I had asked for prayers for my sister, Kat, who was diagnosed with breast cancer, and was undergoing radiation, and um, earlier this week, on her way out the door to go to radiation, on the ice and broke her ankle. Yeah, she lives alone. She has steps up into her house, so everything's been very challenging. And I uh, just ask for prayers for her. She'll be having surgery to repair that this coming Wednesday. And then I have another friend 